Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode 62. Today we're talking the fast, or no, we're talking Furious 7. This is Ali Matu, and I'm joined, as always, by H.A. Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? It's going well. It's going furiously. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, if it's going to go anyway, you better hope it's going furiously. And I think we have someone approaching, I'm, I'm seeing them in my rearview mirror. Conrad, who might that be? That might be Bill Wadman making his fifth appearance. This, this one, I, I, I think I might be most excited about this one so far. <laughs> Bill, you were on a relationships episode, Cosmos yeah. episode, yeah. Doctor Who, What is a Nerd, and you're most excited about Fast, the Fast and I'm, Furious. I'm sorry, do course. any of those other shows have Vin Diesel in them? Drinking Coronas? <laughs> <laughs> Drinking a lot of Coronas. And better make sure it's not a Belgian ale. Um <laughs> So we are definitely talking Fast and Furious. In the crossover today, we got the Fast and Furious-verse taking on the Mission Impossible universe. And Conrad, what's the question today? Uh, the question is, which franchise has the better team set piece? Ooh, that that's going to be interesting. I think Fast and Furious is going to give uh, Mission Impossible a run for its uh, impossible Um, And then we've got top five guilty pleasures. I'm going to be blushing when I reveal some of mine, but that'll be that'll be a fun discussion. All right. So I think where we should start this off um, is where you all came from in or come to in the Fast and Furious verse. Where Mm. do you want to start? Do you want to go? Well, I had never seen these films until I feel like it was a few summers ago, and I don't even know exactly I think we were when. Sick or something, or stuck in for the winter? No, we may have been sick. I think we both had colds, oddly enough. Yeah, uh, seeing as how you and your significant other are currently under the weather, Ollie. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we both. Are um, and I and I had never seen this, and Bill was like, "What? You've never seen the Fast and Furious?" I'm like, "No," and it turned into an insane marathon. Yeah, um, I think we watched all of them in the course of a long weekend or something along that line. Yeah, and, and how I many mean, of them were there at that point? Uh, that was when Fast Five was coming, coming out, out, I think. So I think we watched the first four. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I had seen four at the time, so we watched that one. I mean, I I remember watching the first one, I think, in the theater. Like, all the you, you ended up watching the first one, Ollie, right? So I saw the first one in the theater when it came out okay. back in 2001, yeah. And then nothing until this weekend <laughs> where, right. when I saw Fast Five, Six, and Seven. Okay, so so the the in the first one there were all those effects of where they hit the gas pedal and they zoom through the CG stuff into the engine yeah. and so, yeah. you know all that stuff which which at the time was actually pretty cool and innovative yeah, you know fifteen years ago yeah um, but so I like it, it was look it was a gearhead movie that also had action in it right because he was FBI agent going against the bad people who were knocking over trucks and stealing whatever it was right you know that that was. Yeah. It was small. It was easy. It was uh, containable and silly, right? It was. It was what it was, and it was making fun of itself. So there was also, you know, even in the Fast and the Furious, that first film was it was it kind of making fun of itself? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, no, now I haven't seen that first one in a long time, but oh no, they absolutely. they absolutely are. Like, there's even points where you think Vin Diesel is go- going to totally start laughing Cracking out loud. 
Like there's moments where like they're holding like their super angry poses and whatever. And you can absolutely imagine him and, and Paul Walker just not being able to keep a straight face. I think it's got a little bit of the sort of showgirls thing where yeah. if you watch it now as a cult movie, you could see how you could you and your friends could sit around laughing at some of the ridiculous things they do. And I think that that's true of the new ones, too. Right. Well, I mean, you know yeah. why they don't take themselves so seriously. Right. Uh, you mean there's an actual reason? Yeah, there's an actual reason. It's because it's not about friends. It's about family. <laughs> it's about family. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, I, I, you know, I was I, – I I've, I've liked all these movies. I like the first one, the third one, the fifth one. Sort of it, – it's always been the odd ones that are the, the stronger ones so far. Oh, it's like uh, the reverse Star Trek rule. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. like them more because of how much Bill likes them because it's really <laughs> so yeah. funny because he's so into them yeah. and it makes me happy because – the funny thing is I'm not a gearhead. It's no. like I don't really – I mean I know about cars and I'm a good driver, but I'm not a, into cars, you know? So I got, I got to tell you guys, the reason why I brought this up as a potential topic for this week is I remember a few months ago uh, Bill and I were talking at one of your – lovely dinners that you host oh, and, and bill, you got him talking about this well he he it came up somehow uh-huh. and and bill said oh fast and furious you know that's conrad and my guilty pleasure and so i just assumed that this was something conrad you loved as well oh no I, there's i it's definitely a guilty pleasure for me because it's just there's it, it's so bad it's good yeah um yeah. Well, and and, and, and it's definitely like, um, I, like I'm not ashamed of watching it because I do think it's fun, but it's definitely not uh, l- be, only because Bill was talking this up so much. I never would have been seeking this out on my own. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Look, they're, they're not Citizen Kane, but but they're but they are <laughs> fun action movies. Everyone always bring up Citizen Kane. <laughs> I, like I, I don't know why. Well, okay. Well, look, there's the, there's a lot of things in these movies. The first three, uh. Are, are smaller movies. It's it's in the fourth and the fifth that they start getting into these grand scale, giant teams taking over the world kind of kind of things going on. You know. Yeah. So what's so fascinating to me? I really approach this as an academic study. You know, <laughs> all, I, I brought all my my wonderful learnings of science to to this topic this weekend, which some might say, "Why did you do that, Ollie?" In fact, I think I tweeted out, "I'm I'm I'm going to intensively study this series," and. Um, I think uh, it, it was uh, either friend of the show, Justin Weathersby, or friend of the show, Randy Nason. One of them tweeted back and said, well, shut off your frontal lobe for the next few hours and just yeah. kind of enjoy the ride. But one of the things that was really fascinating to me is how it's it's become this accidental franchise yeah. where you know they were they're making a sequel but vin diesel wasn't signed on for it so they brought on um they brought on tyrese gibson i think for the sequel with yep. paul walker and then they made a third one which was very different tokyo drift yep. and then uh, vin diesel kind of signed on to come back and then they made Everything kind of changed with uh, Justin Lin coming in to direct uh, number four. And then with number five, they're like, well, let's kind of do an Avengers thing here many years before the Avengers even came out. And let's bring our greatest, most popular actors together. And let's completely change up the genre from going from street crime to sort of this Ocean's Eleven, like heist kind of movie. Right. And it's 
it's amazing. This is what everyone in Hollywood wants. This amazing larger universe where these characters come in and out. Fast and Furious had this before before any of the other ones. Have well, been. well, I think it's taken from the comic book kind of thing, right? I, I, you know, I, I think that the comic books did that first. The Fast and Furious kind of jumped on board yeah. with all that kind of stuff. Um, but also the what the other thing that as I was watching these films, and especially as you get into Fast Five and onward. Just the fact, and I mean, it, it, you could see it earlier on as well, but this cast is like one of the most diverse casts that you're going to see. Absolutely. And that really struck me rewatch, or watching these films for the first time. And they're a cast that's having an enormous amount of fun together, and you yeah. can definitely tell that. Yeah. There is, so there's something, there is definitely something about this franchise that I think is, despite turning off your frontal lobe, as some may yeah. say, um, I still think <laughs> it's really, it's fun. Um, it's, it's a lot you, of fun. And yeah. you can see that the people are having fun. And, you know, even in the reactions with the audience that are watching it with you, everybody's having fun watching this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and especially the more and more ridiculous it gets, the more fun people <laughs> have. And, you know, you hear people kind of like yelling out like, no, they did not yeah. do that. Did they really do that? Oh, my God. And you know, all, and, it's, jokes, and it's fun. I think all jokes aside, too, I think Fast Five in particular, we'll get to the new one, but Fast Five in particular is a... Pretty solid action movie, even taken out of context of the series. That, yeah. like, anybody could watch that one and say, okay, that was a fun, silly, cars blowing up, things going crazy, funny one liners kind of movie, you know? Like, um, that yeah. train set piece was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was. Beginning. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it really a ton was. Of fun. And, you know, what I like about Fast Five and Six, um, it's not all about damsels in distress. Um, no. Yeah, true. So we're seeing we're seeing a diverse cast. We're seeing um, some strong women as well. We're seeing also um, different parts of the world, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Fast series or the Furious series, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, I guess it's both. Um, but one of the reasons why it's resonated in terms of box office and made so much money is. You go around the world and different people can see themselves there or they can see uh, it's not just all about America. And this is something Michelle Rodriguez mentioned in an interview this past week is everyone from around the globe can see something in uh, of themselves in this universe. Yeah. So it, it, in those ways, it's very relevant. Um, and in other ways, it feels a bit nostalgic to me watching watching some of those older films. They feel like the '80s era action movies. Oh, they totally and, do, right? It's like over the top, and the script kinda, is kind of like the, cheesy, the very cheesy. It's cheesy all the way through. I mean, come on, some of the it's lines. Like, it's like, like a Jean Claude Van Damme, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of kind of script, you know? I also, I uh, sorry, finish your thought. Oh, my, the other thought I was going to finish is, it, you know, all joking aside, it is about these wholesome values of family, of yeah. loving the people you you loyalty. You're close to. Yeah, and I, yep. and I think I think even uh, there's also an aspirational aspect to the series, wherein most people never get to drive these crazy cars. Most people mm. aren't this this uh, uh, good a driver and that kind of stuff. And you're playing and you're watching these things and you think, man, if I had that car, I could totally, you know, there's a certain level of, oh, I wish I could drive in a crew like that and do these crazy things with these cars. Um, well, there's also an interesting morality or there's a, it's one of those, one of those films where you want the bad guys 
the bad guys are the actual good guys. So it's like the FBI and the mm-hmm. government are bad. Yeah, that's true. They're, but they're the Toretto, always... you always want, you know, the Toretto's yeah. to get away. You know, like yeah. there's there's a little bit of the Godfather thing going on well, here. You where know, I will say to get into the the this the number seven. We watched this in one of these RPX theaters. You know what I'm talking sure, about? Sure, the ones with the fancy sound and screen. <laughs> Supposedly, the yeah. The kind of IMAX that like just falls short of IMAX. Right. IMAX, so yeah. so it, it ended up being so that the RPX theater version of it was the time we needed to see it. So we went to see it and, you know, paid the extra five or eight bucks a person, whatever, to, to go see it in the RPX theater. And three or four times during the movie, Ali, it, it stopped for a minute. Just huh. shut off. The screen went blank. And then started up again, or it stuttered and it jumped around so that you hear little bits of dialogue. Like, what? That's not good. Oh, no. It was so incredibly frustrating. So, but it, but it ended up we ended up getting uh, you know free passes for next time because because of these moments that we missed. But it's just so funny how it, it reminded you how much movies like this are all about pacing and momentum. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time momentum, it stopped, it felt like it was going on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to mention well, we were we were very there were very few people in this theater because we went at kind of an odd time. Sure. Yet, even then, it, like these two people sat in our row and I'm just like, of all the rows, of all the places, <laughs> all the gin joints you? in all the world. And then they were, they were talking as if they were in their living room the entire yeah. time. Like yeah. full voice, not even whispering. And was- I just, you know what? It really makes me again, wonder, like I absolutely would pay a premium to download a film here at our house and just watch it here rather than Absolutely. in the theater. I'll pay 50 I, bucks if it's in the theaters to watch it here. Like, can I just do that? Again, Alamo Draft House, please come. Please yeah, come soon. Uh, so, <laughs> so, wait, so I got to tell you guys, I had a, before we get to Fury 7, I had a major epiphany watching these films. And it, it kind of goes back to one of those tweets we had from... Uh, Don't from, buy a Porsche, uh, Ollie. Uh, no, oh, oh yes, that's th- that would be a good uh, as a former boss of mine said a champagne problem to have. Uh, <laughs> should I get the Porsche? Should I get the Ferrari? Um, here, here's something I was thinking about. Okay, yeah, shutting down frontal lobe. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it's Furious Six where um, Vin Diesel's character he jumps one lane onto the other to grab Michelle Rodriguez's character midair or something. Yeah. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, come on, guys. Cars can't jump like that. And then, Bill, I heard your voice in my head. No (laughs) joke. And I heard your voice from one of the other, uh, one of the many guest appearances you've made on this show where you said, seriously, guys, I'm done with superhero films. I get it. These people fly, they have powers, blah, blah, blah. I'm just not really that into them. And I had this moment where I was kind of judging the movie and thinking, gosh, it's so fake. But then I'm thinking about in a few weeks, I'm going to be seeing Avengers where there's right. this giant green monster and there's these aliens and there's this robot, all this stuff. And I can so easily suspend my disbelief around that. And I don't even bat an eye now at uh, superheroes who fly. Yeah. But at these cars, these kind of fun set pieces, once I was able to kind of make the connection, this is just a superhero film where the superheroes are the drivers in the cars. Yep. And once yep. I made that logical leap, suspended my disbelief around that, then I had a ton of fun watching yeah. Fast Five and Fast Six. You just you see how absurd it could possibly be. Where you're watching, yep. you're like, there's no way. Oh, he's going to. Oh, my God. They're actually going to have him. Oh, there he goes. 
And I got to say, once Justin Lin came on board as a director, and that was one of the other reasons why I wanted to have this uh, show, he's he's the next in line to direct the the next Star Trek film. I wanted to see what this guy can do. And one of the things Justin Lin does, he's extremely great at at pacing, which you guys were talking about. And I know James Wan, or James Wan, he was the individual directing Fast 7, but um, Justin Lin gave you a great sense of perspective of where the action is unfolding, where the bad guys are, where yep. the good guys are, mm-hmm. um, what's happening. And you take films like the Lord of the Rings uh, movies or um, some of the Harry Potter films, some of these large epics. So, uh, many of them haven't done a good job with those large-scale action. Yeah. And especially under Justin's Lin leadership, um, these films did a fantastic job making sure you know what's happening on screen. They're kind of like a really good mixtape where – you know, there's the loud, raunchous songs, and then it goes down to a nice ballad that gets you, oh, and there's this mid-tempo thing. Like, even between even between the set pieces, they build it up and bring it down in a really good way. I don't know. They, it's it's like, look, again, they're not great movies, but they're enjoyable, you know? Well, and my other, the other thing I really love about, about the more and more ridiculous stunts that happen in these films is that I can imagine that the stunt coordinators, the choreographers, everybody involved in creating the appearance of these stunts or or the different pieces of these stunts, this must be a dream to work on. <laughs> if this is what you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has got to be well, immensely... Well, you're watching all the old ones and you're thinking, what could I possibly do that is more absurd? How can I top this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. it is this whole franchise. It's yeah. continuing and, trying to top itself. And yeah. it just must be so much fun to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so much so that I was imagining the Mythbusters, sure. some Mythbusters show. I'm sure there has been. If I'm there sure has. there has been if there has not yet. I, I know that there have been a couple surrounding some of the... the the car stunts and different things, okay. but I just, you know, so just seeing that and, and basically having these be part of the stars of the show, which they absolutely are. I think I just really enjoy watching that and trying to figure out how they did it. Can, uh, can we discuss the Paul Walker issue? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> bef- so I, I want to talk about non-spoilers and then get into spoiler discussion. But okay. um, one of the things that going into Furious Seven, um, yeah. going into this discussion, obviously we had the tragic death of Paul Walker, which happened during the production of this yeah. film. Yep. And um, you know that happened a while back now, but it it very deeply impacted. I mean, not only did it impact production, but a lot of people were really affected by by the passing of Paul Walker. Yeah. Well, and I also Vin Diesel it seems. Well, and I also think part of it was how this came out and this is the information age everything 24-hour news cycle and I remember both Bill and I saw this alert that he had died in a car accident and we honestly thought it was somebody playing a really really terrible yeah, like, joke at first that? that's insane um because then they pulled back the story they said they said it wasn't true and then it turned out it was indeed true and then how he died was just so t- just a terrible tragedy um and just seemed really senseless and and awful um and i just think it, it i think it hit people very hard because basically he was doing pretty much what they show them doing these movies and he just totally was you're not able to survive that you know yeah so yeah. it's it was really just sad and apparently he i don't you know 
clearly none of us know Paul Walker personally, but he, by all appearances, seemed like a really good guy. Yeah. You know, he even talked, because people would give, people would be like, oh, yeah, you know, he's not the best actor. And he would even poke fun at himself and, and agree and say, yeah, but I'm having a but ton of fun. in the role. He's like, but I'm having a ton of fun doing these films yeah. that I love. I love working with Vin Diesel. And he, and he had said, like, oh, you know, these people are, are really all my family. Like, that's how they all felt about each other. And I think if you work, I mean, think about all the films and the years that all of them have put into yeah. to being in these productions, to doing all the the tours and, and everything with each other. I mean, I think really it felt like they were losing family. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be really difficult. for 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, we didn't know Paul Walker, but uh, some of the stories that have come out are um, are pretty heartwarming. I mean, one of the ones that stick out for me, I remember reading about um, a a veteran who was about to, who either just came from uh, from being deployed or was about to be deployed, and was buying a engagement ring uh, for his fiance, and he couldn't afford the one he wanted to to get and Paul Walker was also in that store sort of heard what was happening and went over to the to the guy who owned the store and said here buy him uh get him that really expensive ring over there handed him all this money and said don't let him know it was me and this story only came out after Paul Walker died the the guy who owns the store kind of revealed it um but he he seemed like a like a pretty pretty good human being yeah and it's a nightmare scenario for for a film studio and for a director because they were they were faced with the decision of what do we do? Do we go back to the drawing board? Do we reshoot some of these scenes that Paul Walker was in and yeah. just uh, take out his character? Or cancel do the we, whole thing on... All, do we right cancel down? it all together? Yeah, yeah. This, Furious 7 was supposed to come out last summer. And well, and they, were, they had something like, I think, 90% of what they... They, they had 90% of what they needed or thought they needed... But they also, there were some clear parts that had not yet been, yeah. they, don't, they didn't have it on film and key parts of the story. I felt like there were scenes where you would tell that if he was there, he would have had a bigger part in a scene. Right. Yeah, I definitely felt that too. Yeah. Where it felt like, oh, Brian's not talking all that much, you know, so it's, it's where, and, and I, I, it was a little bit palpable and just from a movie making point of view, it, this movie I think felt a little bit more disjointed than it probably should have felt if they had all that they needed, you know, that well, they had to reorganize things. A bit. Let's, let's get into it. Let's do, yeah. let's do a brief non-spoiler discussion of furious seven. All right. So and that means no, no, no facts of the movie. No. Well, no, just impressions, thoughts, okay. recommendations. Um, and, Bill, why don't you take a, take the lead here? You were talking about how basically because of that, it probably felt disjointed. Yeah, I, I think it did feel uh, a, a bit all over the place, you know. Um, uh, I, I also didn't know the the Kurt Russell character. I just felt like was a little like I didn't really know where that was going. There, so there was like a it felt like it wanted to be a lot of things and never really tied up a bunch of them. I thought that the action scenes were were great as usual, um, but I think that the overall plot wasn't as tight as say Fast Five was. Right. Um, I also, and this isn't just because of the fact that the the screen who, that we had inter multiple interruptions during our viewing of this, but it did feel incredibly long to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. and almost like how long was it? 137 <sighs> minutes. Wow. Um, it was the longest. Hours. Yeah. Um, it almost 
to me, it almost felt like they wanted to use as much footage and the work as possible and try to fit it in there, even when maybe a little bit more editing might have made a better film. Yeah. And I understand why they wanted to do that. And this definitely, in my opinion, was it was a long goodbye to Paul Walker. Yeah. And I think they wanted to do that. They wanted to honor him. Like everybody surrounding this film wanted to do that. And they also for each other, but also for the fans. And that's what I, I do think that they accomplished that. But I think that ultimately it made it just not as tight of a film as the, some of the previous ones, especially Fast Five and, and the uh, Fast and Furious Six. I, I think. Go ahead. I think we're on the same page here, which is which is honestly surprising to me because the this is the uh, the best reviewed of the Furious films. Oh, um, I if you, disagree if you go, with that. Well, I disagree with that too. If yeah. you go by the Rotten Tomatoes uh, uh, count, uh, this one's at eighty two percent, whereas Fast Five by most critics considered to be the best is at 78. So, you know, um, I, I think the... I think it's skewed by fans who yeah. are racing, the, racing their... Uh-huh, well, I don't uh, think to it's see just... It the first weekend, too. I don't think it's just... And, and that's the other thing. This has been incredibly profitable. Um, just in its opening weekend, yeah, Furious well, 7 has made an incredible amount of money. Right. Um, I, I honestly think this the skewing here of the reviews is based upon the the emotional impact of the film. Yeah, and, and yeah, these are people. These are people grieving. These are people. Honestly, grieving. these are people saying <laughs> like, goodbye to Paul Walker. And yeah. The film, yeah, the film does do a good job of that. Now, if we look at it as a film, though, okay, is the action good? Yeah. I'll, yeah, it, has it uh, the action always been good and throughout all the Fast and Furious films? Yep. Yeah, it has. You know, the CGI in some points is varied depending on the budget, but the what action's always been good. What else did it have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what else do you have? Sorry. If we, if we look at the the characters, the especially our antagonists here, the villains, and Kurt Russell's character, like Bill was saying, um, the, the development of those larger characters is is pretty weak. Yeah. If you yes, ask me it to was. Descri- yeah, if you asked me to describe the plot, I couldn't describe the plot for you um, because it. I don't even remember much of it. It's pretty disposable. Um, and I thought that it kind of did drag here. And one of the things that actually bothered me um, – I I think overall each of the Furious films has become less objectifying of women, and I think Fast <laughs> Five and Six was better of that. I they think, all have it though, Ali. I mean, ha- no, I and, know, I know. Wait, you the, think this went back? I think this went back to kind of the first film. Mm. In tra- now, if we had more scenes of the guys walking out of a beach like shirtless and uh, like people oogling them it might be different or if we had you know less mostly like, they're just oogling the 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 ramsey character right the girl yeah, from game are, of thrones and, and the first scene i, I felt like the the opening film or uh, the opening film the opening shot there was a lot of return to the bikini clad um, but that's also always a part of that drag racing scene that they've always shown yeah i yeah i think fast five and six were a little bit better with uh, that Maybe. O- overall, I would put this the fourth best in the series. Behind? Behind 5, 1, and 3. 5, 1, and 3. Interesting. Um, I would Mostly have because my, my favorite character in the whole series is Han. 
hot. Yeah, mine awesome. too. Mine and, too. And and the okay. fact that he's that that he well spoiler for six. Can we make spoilers for six? Yeah, yeah. I think statue. Uh, so you know the, the fact point. that the fact that Han's not in this one is is it misses a certain element. You know, um, he was a good foil. He's a great character. Um, for for like he's such a great counterbalance. Yeah. To um, a lot of the, like, he is the voice of reason for the most part. Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I miss Han. So there's that. Um, yeah, just overall, it just wasn't. It didn't feel put together, right? Is that it's kind of what it is? And I wonder if Jason Stratham, Stratham, Stratham. How do you pronounce that? Stratham. Stratham. I don't know. Well, that guy. guy. Uh, he, does he ever get sick of just playing the sort of slightly smarmy British special forces <laughs> guy? Because that's I what he is in Statham. every single movie. It's I'm Statham. Okay with that. Statham? Isn't it? Statham. That's, thank Statham. you, Conrad. You, uh, you know what I'm As saying? Often, like, he day. plays the exact same character every time. And you could say, you know what, uh, so does Vin Diesel and, and all the rest of these guys in The Rock, but... For some reason, it's he's, he always feels exactly the same, like as if he is the same character in all of the movies. Like his name is the same. In every as movie. if there's like a crossover in yeah, every yeah, single movie. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, kind that's kind of awesome. I kind of wish it was. That would make. Oh it my a gosh! Bit more Wouldn't it be amazing if he just was this character? So he just you you pay to have him walk on into your see that would be funny. set or whatever, and he's just the same character that can we should make that happen. <laughs> go between all these different universes. Oh but man, he should show up in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, here's a problem with that. Uh, Jason Statham and okay. Kurt Russell's character. Yeah, they were merely evoking shadows of past characters that oh, they yeah. played. Yeah, and then the, the Kurt Russell character was just. I don't. I didn't even really understand his purpose. Even in every single scene he was in, he didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. No. No. He made no he was, sense at all. He was superfluous. And, then, and also, their well, their MacGuffin, the thing that they were seeking, also made absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. Because the whole also the whole point the whole point. Eye, which we'll yeah, that's well, that's saying. what I'm yeah. talking about. That's yeah. the MacGuffin. So their whole point is to go out to get this thing to locate Shaw, who is played by Statham, yet he keeps showing up, right? So I don't know why you ultimately need to get the yeah. thing when he keeps popping up wherever you are. I guess just go it's wherever like you're going to go and he'll find you. Yeah, they made the plot more complicated than it needed to be. Could have just been them against him in some sort of much more simple... I don't know. It's just. It's just. I think we need to go into spoiler zone before we start talking. Yeah. Get go too far. One last but, thing. I want but to ultimately, say. it's still fun. I think if you like these films and you want to just go and like have a you know and and see the last film that Paul Walker is in because I do think that that yeah. that certainly has some impact. Um, and there are some there are some really good moments. There are some really excellent. There are some amazing stunts within this that yeah. are just. And that are hilarious as well as phenomenal. We'll get to that. But that's my sort of non-spoilery review. Okay. So I'm going to say if you're a fan of the series, go see it. If you're not, then there's really no reason no. to it. And one last thing before we get into spoilers yeah. is they introduce another antagonist, Jaconde. Oh, oh, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the African Which guy. made no sense either. Is he from a previous movie? Please I, tell me he is, because otherwise it makes no I sense I think at maybe all. he is, but I don't really I recall him. I remember him, but I haven't seen they the other They did a very years. brief, like, oh, this is this guy showing up, um, and I didn't I didn't remember him from another one, but it I almost seemed... I don't think seemed, he is. But, 
but it was such a brief intro that Bill actually missed it and had no idea, and so I had no idea why he was going after them or was mad was at like, Toretto. I was like, wait, who's the African guy? Like, where'd he come from? Like, as he gets out of the car in slow motion, I was like, is that some guy I'm supposed to know who he is? <laughs> you know, it was Makes one of those. no sense. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, you guys, I think we need to um, uh, to pop the hood on spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so from Haha. <laughs> so let's, uh, from here on out, we're going to give you guys spoilers for the intricate and incredibly complicated plot of Furious 7. Um, all right. Getting into spoilers here. Um, wh- what direction should we drive this car in first? Well, okay. I... Let's talk about the stunts. Overall, I think they were really good. Uh, the the one with Paul Walker in the bus, running, jumping, and grabbing the back of the car that Letty's driving. That was kind yeah. of awesome, though. That was that like was... over the top to the point where I was like, okay. No, <laughs> I loved the that. The lead into that, Bill. The lead in, which is parachuting your car. Car. Okay. I know. The parachuting in the car was actually pretty successful. The problem is that's part of the one of the places that ours got glitchy. Yeah. So we, we like missed. missed all of like the rush of it actually happening. Yeah. Um, it is a cool scene to see. Now they, they showed a little bit of that in trailers, but I got to say like seeing that play out is a ton of fun. Oh and there's, yeah. There's it is a lot, lot of, of humor there too. In that and, and the whole, and the whole, uh, you know, machine guns on the side of the bus and them like blowing the back of the bus off and pulling the thing off and stacking the cars so that they push into the back, you know, push yeah, the back of the bus fun. to let him, Paul Walker jump on. Like, that stuff's great. That's to all, me, that, that's, that's kind great. of like a an American supersized version of a James Bond kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and even, and at the end, when Paul Walker starts going under, he lowers the thing and goes underneath the truck, like in the first movie. Yeah, that was oh, cute. He's, that like, was great. he's like, I'm going to go old school. school. That yeah, was that, that was cool. That was really really good. And, Although, even putting aside all of the, I know I'm putting away my frontal lobe. I know it's ridiculous. I know whatever it is. Their use of that predator drone thing. Yeah, it was or, annoying. Or their fake drone. It's like it's this tiny little drone that has like six Hellfire missiles somehow inside of it, and it's also <laughs> jet powered, and it can go on. It's like drones don't work like like those military drones are ten thousand feet up in the air firing these things from really far away. You know, they're not. They they're can't not go like, through a tunnel like that. Yeah, they're not racing down streets with jet engines. You know what I mean? For for hours at a time. I get it, Bill. I get it. You also spend your disbelief around cars, but the moment an aerial vehicle comes, well, that's the, the funny thing is that because there's <laughs> there's scenes in that last battle where they do the whole spinny thing. And they push her between cars, you know, when they transfer oh, her yeah. Yeah, from yeah. one car to the other, and you're like, okay, that's absurd, but fantastic. <laughs> but <right>? fantastic. <laughs> well, and also where, the, you know, the when they're in Abu Dhabi and the, the car is being... Like, you're leaping the car between, oh, the, between buildings. the buildings. That was just yeah. silly, 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 but it was so, like, it was clear that they were having so much fun yeah. doing it. What do you think about that scene, Ollie? You know what? It actually reminded me of Mission Impossible a bit. Well, it's, it's, that's if, if you could push Mission Impossible to the area of ridiculous. That's kind of what it would have been. Well, um, I thought that it was in a bit. I uh, honestly thought that that was making fun of Mission Impossible a little bit. Oh, and it, oh, it like that a little. Could be. Me, it you know did my, feel like that to me. So you know what my honest reaction was, Bill, to that. Hearing that car, whatever it was, when they yeah. rev that car, it kind of got me going. It, oh, it, that like, car was be- – look, all the cars in all of these movies are super fun. That's half it, the fun, right? It is it is half the fun. There's something primal in me. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not a car guy. I am not yeah. – I don't – Ollie, it doesn't car. matter. You're a guy. 
Well, I think it, it's so, it, it's it is something there. There it's is something triggering weird about these it. traditional gender roles yeah. inside of me. It's like yeah. living matchboxes. Yeah. Come on. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah. what do you, I mean, do you think that the the st- and then the opening uh, earlier in the movie when uh, what's his name uh, jumps out of grabs the girl and jumps out of the window and they land on it, the rock, sure. you know. And, and it's just like, okay, you fell out of a four-story window on the top of a car. I don't care who you are. You're dead. She's dead. Everybody's dead. Like, there's, you know what I mean? You don't survive that from a G-Shock point of view, not, let know, alone broken bones. He's the rock, Bill. He survives everything. I know. He's the called rock the rock. Everything. And yeah. then if he doesn't survive everything, he gets a, he gets a cast, and then he breaks, breaks the, the cast on muscles. <laughs> So awesome. Now, but the daughter's need- super cute. Like, I oh, hear he so kicked your daddy he, kicked your butt. Ho- Hobbs needed to be in this film much more. more. He's Agreed. Like, he bookends it. Um, I don't know what was going on there, but he yeah. bookended it in a great way. And I thought it was a little nod to Terminator 2 when he grabs that machine gun and he just kind of yeah. walks and just yeah, 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 yeah. Is, is shooting off with the machine gun. Yeah, he's got so, the machine gun. Uh, you know, one, uh, I, okay, you guys, yeah. my, my, one of my biggest problems with this film um <laughs> Toretto the and, wedding um <laughs> no that's not my biggest problem my biggest po- problem is Shaw and Toretto's like the the two duels that they have with their yeah. cars are ridiculous the plan is basically i am going to drive head on <laughs> into your car that's all that's going to happen it's that's okay. all that's that's it mm-hmm. that's the plan mm-hmm. yeah what? Yeah, they're like, it's like they're playing chicken, but they're not playing chicken. They're really just no. slam into each other. They're just so. They're they're to <clears throat> the me. First, go ahead. To me, that was a disservice to both characters because it 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 was such a a stereotype of a jock who is yeah. so angry, so dumb, so pissed off that all they can do is kind of like ram their car into the other person. And that other person is such a stupid jock. That's the same thing that they can do. I, I really thought these characters would do something that's far more interesting. <laughs> well, um, I also, the, the Letty Toretto thing where he he's he's going to die but she she's like no no cpr that yeah. could actually work <laughs> yeah. i'm going to bring you back with some loving words yeah 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 that was just because because where you go i go. where where you when you when right, wait where you when, ride i ride yeah when you ride i ride <laughs> and then they're getting married oh they're getting married and he's still wearing the wife beater come on like he doesn't have a nice like linen shirt on or something did you guys also feel like um Okay, in the beginning when the bomb goes off at the Toretto house, right? Sure. And Brian oh. slams the, the, the minivan closed to protect the kid. Yeah. I And then the scene with the bus, it, it's like there it were a number feeling, of places where they feel like, like they, they, they were, were going to kill, kill him. Paul Walker. Yeah. And yeah, so, like, it felt, it felt that. like that throughout the film. And I feel like everybody was like, and I mean, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I got to say, you guys, this is... This was a, it was uncomfortable and it was also very stressful. Yes. Um, maybe that's, I mean, that's an uncomfortable but feeling. Because you were worried and, that they were going to do it and it was going to be I kept attacking. waiting for, I kept waiting for it. Now I avoided spoilers and um, many people had seen this before I had and they said, oh, the ending, just wait till you get the ending, bring, bring a, a box of tissues that yeah. everyone told me that. And so I, in my mind, I was like, oh, 
they kill off uh, Paul Walker's character. They kill off Brian. And I, th- I think one of the struggles that the team probably went through, uh, the production team, is you know they're going to create a lot of suspenseful moments where you think one of the main characters is going to die. Right. And I think one of the questions they probably had is, do we now go back and change those moments where you think the character of Brian is going to die? Yeah. Um, they, I don't think they ever had a plan. Or they did that on purpose – to make it more suspenseful. Yeah, it, as a f- action film should be. Well, I, I mean like after he died in real life that they went back and made it so – basically they used that as a possible plot point to keep the tension up. Like, Which, oh my god, no are they actually going to kill him on screen? I don't think they – well, so I think the audience would be wondering that. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, and, and so I, I got to say I've got some strong feelings about the ending – um, I don't know if we want to take it there yet, but um, you, should we take it there yet? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So going go to the ending here, um, which is why I think this movie is very cathartic for, for so many people. Um, that's where a few things worked and a few things didn't work for me. One is you could tell some of the computer-generated techniques that they were using to fill in um, for Paul Walker. They, they brought his brother on board. Yeah, and they two of it, both of his brothers were in it. Yeah, and they used computer generated his body doubles. Yeah, as yep, exactly to map on Paul Walker's face. There, it felt a, a little CG in those in those moments. You could yeah. kind of tell. Um, whereas before that ending, I really couldn't tell too much. Yeah. Um, so there was that that made it feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, where I, I I found it very commendable is I think it's. It, it was quite commendable for them not to kill off Brian's character, for him to have this finale, to have this end. So he's got his family, and now he's out of the series. Now he's out of the series, and they filmed it in a way in which you could tell the other actors were, were really emotional and feeling the sadness, and they were bereaving um, Paul Walker as much as they were mm-hmm. uh, uh, feeling that the loss of Brian and his character. So I liked that. What I didn't necessarily like, um, and I, I like how the, there is that final drag race and the camera pans away, um, even though it's this white car and it's very sentimental. Yeah. What, yep. what I think we didn't need, I don't think we needed that montage at the end. No, that showed no I yes. don't think we did. That I, was, that to me, that was, you know what, and I don't want to be... I mean, I und- well, I think it was just like let's pull every tear out of every yeah, like I, let's yeah. let's like exploit this to the and I, I mean maybe that was the intention, but that's what it kind of felt like to me. I think you could have left it I just think that with that was driveway. The intention. I, I think you could have left it with that driveaway, and it would have been I, fine. I, I feel like overall, I, I'm fine with them saying goodbye. I'm fine with them having moments of sort of, you know, this is the last time last ride let's you know slap hands and hug and you know although i felt like the end was a little bit too sappy and self-indulgent a little bit like it it went a little too far for me you know it felt it got to the point where i was like okay yeah we get it like you know the actor died i'm sure you know we're all sad about it but but like don't make the last 15 minutes of the movie some weird tribute where you can't actually say what the tribute's for but it's you know it just felt a little too much for me yeah. Um, yeah, and and those types of montages are they're quite they can be quite awkward. It can yeah. take you 
if it doesn't like make in Doctor s- Who sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, like in Doctor Who. Uh, unless it makes sense in the context of the story, it can be um it's a cheat as as mm-hmm. a as a storytelling right. device. Um it's sort of like it's often a exposition dump and um it, it, it's very hard to make it work. And I think given the the um the circumstances of the loss of Paul Walker, I got to agree with you Conrad, it felt like they were pulling at heartstrings here. I well, think Well, and I also other- I also think it would have made a lot more sense if they were to me if you're going to do something like that Maybe it would have made more sense if this was going to actually be the end of the franchise. And in that case, maybe I could understand it a little bit better, but that is not the case. They're already setting up. They're already planning more? Yeah, they're already setting up. uh, Yeah, number eight. The problem is, again, this is one of those things where it's not the same movie if you don't have Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. Those two are the heart of the whole thing. I disagree with you. I disagree uh, with you, Bill. I mean, this is how we got to this film. This is how we got to Furious 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, but you know what? because Vin Diesel wasn't in that second one. No, but but Ali, there was something like when he... The second one didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same. And when, when he came back, it was such a like relief and a triumphant return. The second one wasn't the same, you guys. It was called Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, which I remember, man. I remember when that came out, how, how like, I, I remember thinking, oh, now they're just going to play with this name for the rest of time, aren't yes. they? Every single one. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, I love it. I kind of love, like, how they own the ridiculousness of that. I, I uh, think, uh, I don't know if you guys are ready, but, like, I think that a lot of the stuff about the... The oh, teams. I'm sorry. They they what? haven't officially announced in oh, the eighth film. However, the thing has made four hundred million dollars. Kurt, in six but days. Kurt, Kurt Russell also signed on for three films, yeah, so it yeah. has to be. And they talked about up to ten. Okay, so see, it's out of control. <laughs> Uh, there's two last things I want to say here okay. about Furious Seven, and then uh, and then I'm I'm good. Um, uh, so number one, I got to say this as again the resident psychologist on this podcast, amnesia. That's not how it works. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've no. never liked Letty. I don't like Michelle. I don't like Michelle Rodriguez as an actress. I, she I looks like, like she's angry and pissed off all the time. You I know like what? her. She never looks like she's like loving and whatever it is. She just looks mad and all the time. I didn't like her in other stuff. I really love her in Fast and Furious. Oh, see, yeah, her character. I I'm like always her. Like when she died, I was like, eh, good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think, this universe, she fits in so well. Bill, okay. if you ride, I'll ride. <laughs> yeah. We both die together. I, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you die, I die. Um, I so, will say, so, yeah, I, I do miss the uh, the Israeli girl, though. Oh, Gail Godot. Han's girlfriend, yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. You, well, you, she's busy doing Wonder Woman. So. What else is your on your list? Of so, yeah, lessons? that's not how amnesia works. Yeah. Usually when people have retrograde amnesia where you lose past memories, you're losing memories that are near the moment of whatever injury it is. Yeah. Old memories are, are pretty resilient to this stuff. And if you do have this kind of global loss of memory, you're also going to lose other abilities like speech and uh, language stuff and, and all of that. So just putting that out there, folks, <laughs> this is not how that works. I knew you were going to mention something about that. I was like, there's no <laughs> way that he can't. Do. All right, what else? Do. It annoyed me so much. The other thing I want to say here, uh, what is the other thing I want to say? Oh, yeah, um... <laughs> You guys, uh, the surveillance, God's eye, drones, this stuff feels not only – I know this film was supposed to come out last year, but um, the year before last, we had a lot of movies playing on these ideas – 
from Star Trek Into Darkness to yeah. Elysium to Oblivion. Um, and then last year we had Captain America, the Winter Soldier that was talking about government surveillance. Um, so that wasn't done well. But here's my question to you guys. Are these movies really about anything beyond the action? Are they trying to say something? Are, do they have a message? Or is this just purely guilty pleasure? This is all about fun? family, Wait. Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about family. It's about the most important Loyalty. thing It's about how leathery, leathery Vin Diesel can get. Like, isn't he looking oxide. pretty leathery? He's looking Ollie, it's, like... It's, it's about living life quarter mile at a time. You might oh, be able to do man. pitch black without any makeup next time. I, I, I will say that I think that, um, I, look, they can try to put all that stuff in there. I think that they're trying to make it timely. I think they're trying to bring in tech and stuff that, that makes sense at a particular time. I think most of those things are just setups for the action, right? Yeah. Um, I also think you're right, Ali, that this would have made a lot more sense if it came out when it was supposed to come out, because yeah, yeah. it was totally in line. It'd be interesting to see with, what they changed. I think there's a Wikipedia. I'm going to have to read it. I actually it. was trying to find that before we were recording, and I wasn't able to find anything definitive. Yeah. But I was wondering if they were or actually... fast enough, Conrad. I was not fast or furious enough, yeah, clearly. There's a whole thing about how they uh, redid his character, but we'll, we'll look into that. So, but, well, my last thing I'm going to yeah. say here uh, about Vin Diesel... I saw a great pie chart uh, today that said Vin Diesel is 49.5% fast, 49.5% <laughs> furious, and 1% Groot. Aww. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so that's all I got, you guys. Any by the way, I adore Vin Diesel. I yeah. think he's no, I fantastic. Think he does, he does, in these movies, he's great. And you know what? I, I, I love him now because of the Furious films. Yeah. No, I love him, but also because he was willing, like, like he actually always wanted to be, like, a, he, he wanted to do Shakespeare. Yeah. And then he what? couldn't get, yes, no, you know, absolutely. He's not, look, he's not a but terrible he actor. He's not a terrible actor. No, he always, that was his dream was to be able to do, you know, like, he, he wanted to do that. And those weren't the roles he could get. He also has a twin, by the way. Yeah, he um, does, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I I want to see him in Macbeth. Yeah, well, I would sure love to happen. see him in that kind of like. But he's been in. You know, he wanted to do some theater productions. He's also done like some children, children's movies and hey, things like the, that. What's the, what's the Disney one where he's the nanny? Yeah, I think it's Which called. Which is actually a pretty good movie. I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's like it's entertaining. <laughs> I don't Which know that called? it's a a good movie. The Pacifier. The Pacifier. <laughs> yeah, that one's good. You ever saw that all? Yeah. No. He goes into he goes film. he's like he's it's some a little mili- it's he's a, a little, military drill instructor yeah. kind of guy who comes in and and sort of becomes the nanny for this like group of kids at a, like this. It's a little kindergarten cop slash nanny McPhee. Yeah, it's it's got slash those, Mary but it's actually fairly endearing. So if you want to see him be endearing. Go watch that movie. But anyway, well, I guess... I, I think it's cool that one of the reasons... One of the clauses for him to come back to the Fast and Furious verse, besides a bunch of money, was being mm-hmm. able to make some more Riddick movies. And mm-hmm. Pitch Black is one of my favorite small science fiction films. I really love that movie. Is, is that the that first movie, one? Yeah, the first that's one. the first one, yeah. And it's, oh, we it's, watched that one not that long ago, right? Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a ton of fun. Uh, see, I don't like that movie. I didn't like that film. Boo. You're not talking about Chronicles of Riddick, right? I'm, you're talking no, about... We no, the he's first talking one. about Pitch Black. It's it a little cool. too he did, he did not like it. But we, we, um, we can discuss that And we also, we also cannot forget one of my favorite roles that Which, he ever did. He what? did the voice for the Iron Giant. 
Oh, he did the Iron Triangle. Oh, yeah. yes. He's got Boom. the voice. Folks, that sound that you just heard is Conrad dropping the mic. <laughs> and not in like a bad podcast way, in a good way. <laughs> All right, let's talk about these teams because I think this let's, is where it gets interesting. So we should go into the the, the Let's chamber. do it. Let's adventure, drive straight into the infinite crossover chamber. That's nice. I like that. So, Conrad, who do we have in the crossover chamber today? Today in the crossover, we are pitting the Fast and Furious franchise against the Mission Impossible movie franchise. And the question here is, which film has the better team-based set pieces? Now, Conrad, when you first uh, created this (laughs) crossover, my first reaction was like, no, 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 no. I don't see the parallels here at all. We really need to talk about uh, Fast and Furious versus Transformers. That's the natural uh, debate to have. Why, because they're cars? Because there's cars and because, you know, there's cars. I I think Uh, I'm going with my lady on this one. (laughs) Well, I I agree with your lady, too, because (laughs) when I started to think about it, I was like, Oh my gosh, you are so right. And even as we were talking about this podcast, it made me think about, um, you know, how they, they run their cars into each other. Well, that is one of my most favorite moments in uh, Mission Impossible 2 when the two characters basically ride their motorcycles into each into other. Each other. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And both of these films not only have these massive set pieces, these action, um, these prolonged sequences of action, but they also have evolved with mm-hmm. different directors, mm-hmm. with different influences of genres, with some trying to be more serious than others. Yep. Um, but each film does have these very memorable team-based set pieces. I, I feel like, that. yeah, there's a lot of parallels, and you can even see uh, both of them have the tech guy who has the gadgets. You right. Know, it's, they, have, it, they have certain it's in, archetypes in, right, within exactly. it. Yeah, True. there's the funny guy, there's the, yep. you know, um, and then there's the leader, and then there's the action guy, and then there's the hot girl who also kicks butt. You know, there's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I... I so, so the question here is, which 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 teams are are more exciting in the movies? Is that kind of what we're getting at? in in these set pieces? So, you yeah. know, thinking about um, thinking about Fast and Furious, we had the plane drop yeah. action scene to the bus scene. Uh, we have that that train sequence from Fast Five. Um, the Honda man, Civics. that sequence is so good. This that, is this is so, really really hard because guys, they both have excellent stuff in both, both of them. They both have amazing stuff. That one of my favorites is from. From Fast Six, those cars that those flippy cars. Oh, oh like that yeah! Part. Oh, so good. And then, and then we got Mission Impossible, where we have the 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 thinking about Mission Impossible One, the very famous breaking into the CIA or whatever yep. it was, yep, yep. dropping from the roof, the final train set piece, Mission Impossible Two, everything with the motorcycles, yep. and the stomping down on the on the sand, which kicked up the gun to grab and turn I around know. in slow motion, and Ethan. And Hunt shoots it off to Mission Impossible 3 and that, that famous bridge scene in Mission Impossible 4, the scene of climbing yeah. the, the Burj Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of gr- – and now we have a new Mission Impossible coming out, Rogue yeah, Nation. Next, next month? Yes. Yeah, very I, soon. It, and there's, a, there's a, a scene of Ethan breaking into this plane that's taking off. So yeah. there's a lot to discuss here. I, I – I, you know, I you, you look at all these. Okay, first of all, 
can we safely say that the the kind of team that they put together in uh, the Mission Impossible movies and that they do in Ocean's Eleven and, and all those kinds of sort of team heist movies, obviously the Fast and Furious movies are pulling from that those archetypes, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. Right. So does 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 Mission Impossible get points for being the originator? Of that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, the but the film series is based on the TV show, right? Um, right. So I don't think we can give it props for that. And I think the the film franchises is in some ways um, inspired by the uh, the James Bond film franchise. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think Mission Impossible gets any points there. It's man, it is it is really kind of tough. Although I feel like James Bond is is. More about James and less about the team working together than than Mission Impossible or that's true or Furious and to some extent Fast and Furious became what we are talking about with four and maybe five you know where the team the yes. first three are less team based and more well, and they're they're less uh, there while there are set pieces the genre of the film is more street crime right. And- and I think one of the the I think the existential question here really comes down to what are you looking for in a set piece? Are yeah. you looking for ridiculousness? Are you looking for suspense? Are you looking for believability? Are you looking for amazing special effects? What what is it that you guys look for in a set I, piece? I th- I think that the Fast and Furious team feels like a more even well rounded. Team, where I feel like the uh, Mission Impossible movies, Ethan is obviously the star. Yeah, that's true. Where I don't know that uh, they all have. I feel like everyone plays a better role in the Furious stuff. Than well, they do and especially in you know, and as the franchise move, moves forward, there's different focus on different characters and different relationships. Yeah. So you see them breaking off and doing different things yeah. together. Letty dies, Letty comes back to life. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you see, but in the Mission Impossible films, it's clearly following Ethan and yeah. his path and whatever he's doing and whatever, and... They're all supporting him. Yeah, they're all supporting him. And then you do have some characters that end up sticking with him for longer periods of time. The character Benji, um, yeah. played by though, Simon Pegg. Oh, you know, in, yeah. in, the, in the fourth Mission Impossible... Or Luther, too, Conrad. Yeah, Luther, too. Luther's been through, like, everything, which when, is nice. Yeah. When, uh, when Ethan Hawke is leaving the Kremlin when he breaks in to get the stuff and he walks out and f- hunt. In, er, I'm sorry, hunt rather. Who'd I say? Hawk. Who's Hawk, an actor. Okay, sorry. Also an amazing actor. <laughs> He's too. also a good actor. When hunt is leaving the place and he inverts his jacket. Oh, and that's starts, awesome. And suddenly yeah. looks like a tourist. You know what I'm talking about? So that scene where he's walking out the door. It's so, so seamless. It's like yeah. perfect. So there's, there's those they kinds do, of things. They do the, the, the suspense and the, yeah. The your adrenaline gets pumping because you're totally afraid that he's going to get caught all the I, I time. So like they do that the really, really well. Scenes are more. This is going to sound crazy. Polished than the Fast and Furious. They are ones. slick. Like they're slick to the point of like you guys are professionals and everything goes exactly as planned. You no, know, I, like, I, 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 I would disagree with you there. I, okay. I think the polishness is the same on both. But w- one thing that I am feeling is I think the Mission Impossible scenes have far more suspense. Sure. It's, it, there is a pause and tension where you think yeah. Hunt is in danger. And you're right. Yeah. Hunt is always the focus of the set pieces um it's it in that way it feels more james except Bond-y. when it's doves flying up behind him 
<laughs> I think, no, then I the think doves are the focus. You're sorry. right. In the Fast and Furious, it's always at, all of the all of the action scenes feel like they're sort of at 110 percent the whole time. It's constantly frenetic, right? Where where there's a lot of stuff in Mission Impossible where it's like, ooh, don't turn around the corner. Oh, he's right there. Back up. You know, there's you know, like lots of that kind of stuff. You know, when you go on an amusement park ride. And it's it can be a roller coaster that doesn't stop. It's constant. Right. Versus those rides where they take you up and they kind of hold you yeah. and hang you for a second. Yeah. And they make you just feel like you're about to fall. And yeah. then they take you on another ride. That's Mission Impossible. The roller coaster is fast and furious. They're, they're more they're more they're more elegant films. And I think the action scenes are more elegant action scenes in the Mission Impossible. Yeah, than, I, but but here's where I disagree. I. I while I'm as I'm talking, I'm, I feel like I'm leaning Mission Impossible. I don't think <laughs> j- elegance is really the thing here because some people will prefer the freneticness of Fast and Furious. Yeah, and but that doesn't people- mean that the other ones aren't more elegant. I mean, they're more um, subtle. Yes. Yeah, but if we're talking about a team set piece, then yeah. you really have to be talking about a team. So yeah. if in that case, I would say Fast and Furious does that a little yeah. bit better. This might be one of the hardest. But this is a pretty hard comparison. Yeah, this is not an obvious winner here. I think if we if the question here was what's the better what film has a better set pieces, I would give it to Mission Impossible because of that suspense. But since it is team set pieces. Yeah. The fact that it's not always Vin Diesel or Paul Walker's yep. character who wins the set piece, that for that reason alone, I got to give it to Fast and Furious, and I yeah. never thought I was going to vote for Fast and Furious. I didn't think you were going to go that way either. Especially, no. I, especially, I think, the, se- the, the team scenes in Fast Five. Oh, are yeah. Particularly, uh, those are really, really good. Those are particularly like fun to see how all the pieces fit together. Well, you know, the, the, just the sequence where they're all trying to break that record of, of the, how fast they need to um, yeah. make the turn and beat the cameras. Yeah. You get the sense that everyone there is skilled. Everyone there has something to offer. And they're all trying hard. Um, yeah, everyone's to, capable to of doing it. It's like who can actually do it best. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's not just like, oh, obviously Ethan's going to be the one to go outside to go get the thing on this 20 right. floors up because that's what he does. You know, he's right. like the man. Yeah. That being said, that set piece was, was amazing. amazing. Well, Brad Bird My, kicks some butt on that. Oh, movie. Brad yeah. Bird is so awesome. My heart. The was, sandstorm. Oh, yeah. so, I don't have a fear of heights, but I saw that in IMAX. <laughs> My hands were sweating no, watching oh, that. Yeah, Rewatch absolutely. all those movies. Wait, oh, didn't good. we see that all together? Did we watch you, that one together? Yeah. Oh, we'll have to do that. Oh, we did. We saw it in the theater. We saw yeah, it in we the saw IMAX. IMAX. <laughs> yeah. So good. Uh, um, so are wait, guys, are we giving it to Fast and Furious? I think, I think if, we, if we're talking about team, no. yes, I, I think. But I'd have to agree with Ali on this one in that if it was just straight yeah. set piece. Okay. C- can I say, though, that, that I think part of the reason why I gravitate towards their team, and this is a stupid word, but... Their team seems more believable. They seem like more like regular people, where yeah. the Mission Impossible people seem like secret impossible agents. Impossible people? Are, yeah, no, that, that <laughs> like, well, I mean, they're obviously all doing ridiculous things. And apparently things. Bill does not choose to accept them. But, no. I mean, look, the, the, the people of Fast Furious drink Corona, right? You know, like, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, they, they're, they're normal guys who are friends who sit around a table and eat dinner together, you know, who also do all this crazy stuff, as opposed to people who have been bred since they were five years old to be secret agents. Right, you know? like, and the reason why they succeed, why the Fast and Furious team succeeds... they work together. They work together, but they also have such an immense trust with each yes. other. Yeah. And they even highlight this in uh, Furious uh, 7. Yep. 
where the Ramsey character is is giving her little assessment of each of them. Yeah. And talks basically about that, yeah. which yeah. I, you guys you know. would either stay together from fear or trust. And I don't see an ounce of fear. Yeah. And yeah, Mission Impossible people are generally together. I mean, there is a bit of loyalty there. Yeah, they're a team. But they're also trained to be that way. So it's not quite All right, the mind same. meld Fast and Furious, I think. Mind yeah. meld Fast and Furious. Dear listeners, please let us know who you think wins this crossover. Is it the Fast and Furious verse or Mission Impossible? Um I think With some that. people are going to get very angry about yeah, that. Yeah, they might. Yeah, but I want to hear so it. I'm so surprised. But, but, but we want to hear it because we are nerds. We like to debate and then we like to disagree and get very vigorous in our disagreement, but then not actually hurt anyone because we're nerds and we're positive people like that. Yeah. So let us know and let's close up those doors on the infinite crossover chamber. <laughs> Thank you, Bill, for the, for the backup there. Um, and on to... Top five. Conrad, what are we talking about today? We are talking about top five guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures? Folks, how did you guys define what makes a guilty pleasure? Oh, that, see, that's a hard one. We this actually is, sat here for a while discussing that. We, we talked about how we would define that. And generally, I think it's something that you watch that you're a little bit embarrassed about. Yes. The problem yeah. is, is that I watch a lot of stuff that probably most people would be embarrassed about watching. <laughs> but I really have no shame. I yeah. There's, a, like, especially with, like, horror flicks and zombie flicks and just super cheap cheesy popcorn flicks and all that kind of thing. I have no shame about watching yeah, this. So yeah. it doesn't you know really feel guilty, but there there are definitely and and that's what ended up making the list that I'm like, this is so bad and I really shouldn't like this, but so I this, really do. Is this anything in life or is this just movies and TV and music and stuff? Well I have one I have a couple of things. I I picked a few different categories. Okay. Me, Ollie, what, as as did I, and I got to say, um, Conrad, I feel exactly the same way. Um, I looked up some other people's lists to get my ideas flowing, and I'm like, none of these are guilty pleasures for me because yeah. I don't feel that um, that stuff that that sort of hate to admit that I love it. Yeah, and I, I can't seem to quit it. A lot of that, like someone put Starship Troopers as a guilty pleasure, and I'm like, uh, no, it's not. You know, stuff like Armageddon, Starship Troopers, um, The Rock, a, the a rock. lot of those. Things. No, <laughs> I own it. I own my yeah. love of those. Oh, I and I'll force other people to watch it too. Absolutely. All right, Ollie. I think you should start. I should start. I'm going to yeah. start off with my number five. My number five is a candy, and it's Sour Patch Kids. Um, I uh, now you might be saying, oh, "Okay, that's a stupid choice, Ollie." But hear me <laughs> out. Um, I I might am, be saying that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I am such an addict. When it comes to Sour Patch Kids, if you give me a bag of them, some people are able to have a few and go, oh, thank you very much, good sir, and pass it along. Wait, they're um, all British? They're, yeah, that's what they're you know, fancy people. British? Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just eat the whole bag. I eat the whole bag. I can't stop. Okay. I cannot stop. It is an addiction. Um, I love them. I will eat the whole bag. I will eat as many as you give me. When you guys hosted movie night a while back, somehow a bag of Sour Patch Kids came to my lap and then it disappeared. I don't somehow. know what happened. Somehow it was gone. <laughs> we we, need, we didn't know five. this. This is, this is okay. Number I five. didn't know this about Ollie. Conrad, where are you going? Um, so my number five is actually something that we were – talking about the other day so when bill and i go on road trips we typically you know 
it's it's some especially in the more desolate areas that we go, it is actually hard to find restaurants a lot of the time. So really the, you know, we'll divulge in junk food from time to time as in like fast food restaurants, but on our road trips, we're like shameless. It's <laughs> like, it's like we're eating at like the, all the chain restaurants all the time. And it is a phenomenon that only happens when we're on Let's road trips. burgers and fries at Dairy Queen. Yeah. Like it's, it's <laughs> terrible. And, and afterwards I feel so guilty about it. Cause I'm just like, I just feel like disgusting. Yeah, what have I done <laughs> um, to myself? And some of it is out of necessity because honestly, especially this last year, uh, this last fall when we went to uh, New Mexico, there was really not a lot of options. So that just ended up being... It was pretty bad. Yeah. It ended up just being the only thing that we could get. But I, I... like it's something that I feel terrible about after. <laughs> so, so, are you picking a chain or just broadly? It's generally just all fast food restaurants. But I would say if I had one to really pick, I definitely and it's probably a little bit of a nostalgic thing. But I definitely have a thing about McDonald's, like cheeseburger, like the two cheeseburger meal. Oh, that's man. my thing. I, I love that's it. Good. I know. That. I, I don't. Feel I love it. About and that. then I'll like eat it, and I'm like, ah. They're better with Big Mac sauce. Yeah. So anyway, that that would probably be my guilty ple- my guilty food pleasure. Right, That's well, a good one. That's if a good one. If we're doing foods for number five, I think I'm going to put my. Uh, <laughs> I I I, I don't an audible bill. Yeah, I don't eat these very often. But when I do, it's a problem. That's why I don't eat it. Is Jacks? You know the little uh, the the cheese puff. Like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? They're like the... I have the, no clue what you're talking about. The, they're the kind of like... Um, cheese, uh, cheese doodles. Puffs? Yeah. Yeah. Cheese doodles, basically. But there's like oh, this brand Jack's. And yeah, like, yeah. I have a problem with them. And I used to have a problem with uh, with the planter's cheese balls back when they, they used to They don't make, make them, them anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had those when you were a kid, because they used to make them back in the 80s in the can. And those were so good. But if I ever get my hands on those, I eat the whole thing, which is why I do not eat them anymore. I like keep them far, far away. You know, don't tell New Ann I'm going to tell you guys this, uh, nor are you guys listeners, but one of her guilty pleasures are Funyuns. Funyuns? She's all mad at you know now. One time I <laughs> ate bugles, you know those things? Oh, bugles I are good. Eat, I ate too many of those when I was a little kid at a party, and at a family party, and Did I you got get sick, sick. And now, like even looking at the box still 40, 30-something <laughs> years later. This is the point in which all of our listeners have now pulled over from their car or got <laughs> to go down to the subway and have bought something from the <laughs> from a local like, gas station or, or well, whatever. One of, one of my favorite things about Bill is that no matter what you're watching in a movie, a television show, whatever, if the character is eating yeah. something like Pop-Tarts or Girl Scout cookies or whatever, Bill is suddenly like, you know what? I'm hungry and I really want Pop-Tarts. Whatever they have in their hands. <laughs> like I can totally go for a Pop-Tart Bill's, right now. Bill's just an empathetic guy. Which is, which is why I liked Han right? so much because he was always eating. I'm pretty sure that's why he liked Han. Yeah. All right, what's your number four, Alec? Uh, okay, well, so this is something that... Um, People, people get surprised that I that I love, and sometimes I feel guilty about it. But it very quickly, um, I don't feel guilty about it, um, especially when I'm doing karaoke. But my number four is the boy band in sync. In sync, nice. Their mm-hmm. version of sailing is amazing. Well, I'm a I'm I'm a little partial to bye 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 and dirty pop. And uh, but not uh, I, I I thought I thought you knew what is that um I thought she knew that song's really good the oh, oh okay look at that yeah, Bill see? Wadman 
yeah. coming in with the assist there. Um, I love in sync, and I, I know, I know, folks, that <laughs> there's this, uh, there's always send, been a rivalry. Send Ollie your in sync memorabilia to PO Box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please send me an autograph <laughs> well, between the Backstreet Boys and in sync. Yeah, well, there's no, always that feud, and most people. Um, I think the consensus has been that uh, in terms of quality of music, people like Backstreet Boys better. But oh, no, I, no, no, I no. love NSYNC so much better. No, NSYNC, I think are, NSYNC are far more talented set of boys. Oh, I, I, they're not Menudo or the or uh, uh, what's the what's the one when we were kids? Uh, Donny Wahlberg. The oh, new kids on the block. New, new kids. kids block? NKOTV. Yeah. Oh 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 oh! All right, and sync, good one. Um, I love in sync. I love bye bye bye. Um, I'm a big fan of Justin Timberlake. Uh, so boom, that's my number four. Uh, Conrad. Well, if we're gonna do music and try to like go in the order of the categories, I've got to go with Britney Spears. Hit me, baby, one more time. Really? Yes. Yeah, and it will it will pop up on my um. On my shuffle every once in a while. And now it like pops up with like this. I don't even know where it's from, but it's like a terribly photoshopped photo of her. And I do. I'm like, I don't want anybody on the train to see that I'm listening to it. So it has to be a guilty pleasure (laughs) then, right? Oh, God. And it's, and I will say, Travis does an incredible cover of it. So it is, I mean, it's definitely one of those songs that you can't get out of your head. So you're saying that my choice should be Call Me Maybe? Yes, no. I, I am saying no, that. I, 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 okay, I thought I, that's what you were going to do. I'm going to go for a music one, because I do love that song. Actually, uh, our nephew really? our nephew really loves that song. Our little nephew, <laughs> when he was toddling about. I'm all, I'm all for super catchy pop songs, but I'm going to use a music one, but go a little bit older than you guys, and I'm going to say Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, the whole record, is one of my <laughs> huge guilty pleasures. <laughs> but you really love that, it, so do you really feel guilty oh about God. it? No, I just love it. Yeah, there you go. Hell with the world. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, it's just that is a fantastic record it's cheesy it's ridiculous it's 1970s it's Jim Steinman it's Todd Rundgren producing it's far over the top ridiculous but it is such a great record and I don't care who knows it I love I love my meatloaf you can shout it from the rooftops yeah let's go up on the roof (laughs) good picks you guys alright what what Uh, you got number three Ali uh, okay number three is uh, honestly the hardest one for me to admit um, people get pretty surprised by this. Um, it's a reality TV show. What? Um, I know. And it's The Bachelor. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to ridicule you for that one. Yeah, I, I think I deserve it. I was um, aware of this. You, you've yeah, confessed Con- this to me before. Conrad has, has become. When, when, when you've put off recording this. so that you can watch The Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelor? Yeah. Uh, well, Conrad, you wanted to record during the After the Rose special. I'm not going to do that. I don't even know uh, what that means. I, <laughs> I will tell you that, that my problem with those shows is not that people watch them, it's the pacing of the shows and the fact that the show could actually be, instead of 22 minutes long, could be six minutes long if they just didn't do all the. Well, but but the that's symbol crashes and things. You're not you're not watching it for the the results. You're, you're watching, watching for the suspense. It's a journey, Bill. It's it's really a journey. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's look. There's a lot. There's a lot of things about this show that are bad. It's it's very traditional gender roles. Anyone whose skin looks like mine or is darker, you don't make it past like week four or five. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a very diverse show at all, <laughs> and it's very traditional ideas about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, and there's no in between there. Okay, so all of that, yes, um, and. As the seasons have gone on, I feel like a lot of the people that they're bringing on board are um, not the most psychologically complex. Maybe I could say something like that, people. Fair enough. That being said, I, I guys, I can't look away. I don't know what it is. Turn off the is. TV, and Ollie. I, I can't. You're losing can't brain cells off, just watching that. And, and, and it... Nguyen has this impact on people where um, she gets people to to watch this show and to love it and to embrace Wait, it. Wait, Nguyen is the one who brought you in? Nguyen got me into drug? it. And not only did Nguyen get me into it, but w- as it's airing, we have this live chat on our phones oh with all God. of our other friends who secretly watch this show. It's worse and than we thought. <laughs> yeah, we have this real-time commentary <laughs> on what's going on, and it's it frustrates me. It makes me mad. I always get upset at how certain people stay on the show longer and how The Bachelor or The Bachelorette doesn't realize how like they're not this person is not a good fit for them. Um, it makes me upset, but I can't. Stop watching it. I need help. I need help. I need an intervention. I think so. We have a uh, our number threes. I think might also be uh, reality TV shows. Ooh, no, with reality TV shows, not mine. Technically, all right. What's yours? What's your number three? Um, my number three is um, actually a sci-fi. Oh, okay. What do you got? Do um, pleasure sci-fi? All right. Yeah. So. And actually, I have a couple of shows on my list, so we'll have to... say, like, Star Trek, the animated series. No, no, but uh, (laughs) there's a particular show, um, I don't, I didn't watch it this season, but I did force Bill to watch it a lot. It's not good. It is not good, and I'll admit... The girl's really cute. It is just so not good, but I, (laughs) there's something about it, I was just like, I just really just want to watch this, and and it is a turn-off-your-frontal-lobe kind of a show. Uh, but it is the show Haven. I don't know anything about this show. Yep, it was a. It's a what station? It was a sci-fi. No, it was. Oh, I thought it was maybe it was not sci-fi. sci-fi. Uh, it was uh, based upon a Stephen King short story. Yeah, uh, yeah it was from on sci-fi. back in the day. Uh, called the Colorado Kid. Called the Colorado Kid, where somebody disappears in this small town and. This FBI agent goes to the small town, ends up staying there, investigating all these people in the town that, who yeah, have special powers. But this is that's the thing. such a Stephen King short story thing to do. Yeah. It is, they turn, and they do they this turn little... the body into Stand By Me. They yeah. always yeah. take a great title and turn it into something that's... It's a Green Mile. The best yeah. movies yeah. of his, or, or uh, Shawshank. Shawshank. I, I think that the, all of the best Stephen King movies were short stories by Stephen King that other people blew out. Sure. Um, uh, so, so what what is it that you like about Conrad, and what is it that makes yeah, it it's just so pleasure? ridiculous, and the characters are so ridiculous. I really there's just um, there's just like there's something about the fact that they're up in Maine, yet there is no snow on the ground that yeah, I find snow. hilarious. It's <laughs> like it's never ever. Um, it's always the fall in Maine. There, yeah, like it, and it's it's a little bit monster of the week. 
Um, I also had a thing with Eureka for a while, um, which I found a little bit more satisfying because it was just all about smart people that live in the town, you know, um, that are the the super creative people are kind of taking over the world, which is cool. Um, But Haven, there's just something about it that to me is it's it again, you know, I like my popcorn shows. This is one of them, Um, but I am slightly embarrassed to admit it. (laughs) All right. I'll do that one. Uh, and also, kind of and like, also, because I forced Bill to watch it with me, I feel somewhat guilty because he he does hate it so much. Well, I, I didn't hate it in the beginning, <laughs> but now it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I, I'm going to use a, a, a somewhat reality show for my number three, uh, which is American Pickers. I don't you know, know that, what show? that is either. Actually, I feel guilty about that. You're right. That is a good one. See. <laughs> There's a sh- there's a show called American Pickers sticking, of which you can watch. I'm sticking with Haven, but yeah, that is excellent. Okay, it's these two guys who own uh, an antique company, and they drive around uh, all around America, and they just stop at people's places who have you know uh, barns and houses full of what I would say is crap, <laughs> but it's you know <laughs> old advertising signs, old gas station things toys from 50 years ago this will be and, a nice starter piece for someone yeah and then they go in and they, and they they offer money to people they're just like i'll give you 50 bucks for it and they shake hands and they're like that's great and then at the end of it they add it all up and they say you know i bought this for 50 dollars. i think i can sell it for 75 i just made 25 bucks you know <laughs> but but the thing about the show is that the thing that i like it better than almost all other uh reality stuff is a it's interesting the stuff that they're buying they're actually kind of talking about in a little bit of a um what's the pbs thing where they a little antique roadshow a little antique roadshow-esque and on top of it new Ann loves by the way okay then she'd really like american pickers because it 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 doesn't it's fast too they don't keep going over the same thing over and over again like a lot of uh well and honestly it's it's somewhat fascinating because they are deliberately going out and trying to find hoarders Ollie. Yeah. not like you know no, newspaper but like, hoarders but like people but they're who, like oh yeah. I, this is this I've looks been like collecting these toys for since i was 10 years no, old but it's there's this whole psychological element because they'll sometimes show up at a place and and the guy had said oh i want to sell or whatever and they'll pick up different things and really it's just that they want people to go and see the things that they've collected yeah they don't like, actually oh, want to sell go that you know you know it, it is fascinating to see people's relation relationship to stuff, yeah, and what people have a strong emotional connection to. I think you can. It's an interesting window into a person. Like if you come into my home, you'll you'll notice my con- emotional connection to some of my starship replicas yeah. and other things that have meant a lot to me. And I think what's what makes these spaceship shows spaceship in your point. mind, spaceship <laughs> in your mind. Sorry, oh, that was that was great, Conrad. I remember that that when you when we were at New York Comic Con and I really wanted to buy everything. And and what was it that <laughs> Someone that you were told <laughs> the spaceship in your mind is better than anything you could buy here, Ali. <laughs> oh, and it true. kind of worked for me for a second, and then I was like, for a second, Wait. and then and then you He's ran like, away from me. I just want to buy that thing. Yeah, and then he ran away and bought the life-size replica of the Firefly ship. <laughs> yes, yes. Wouldn't but, that be awesome um, if that was now in your house? That would be oh, amazing. Would but that. but but it, but it, so it's interesting in that way, and and it's it's actually a really fun show, and the two guys have a fun relationship, but it, it's silly and stupid. But at least it like keeps moving it's definitely one of those things you could watch one episode and you're like yeah one more you know well that's why i can't watch antique roadshow it doesn't move at all it's like one item for like 35 minutes this is antique roadshow but mix it with modern reality tv 
Even so, the reactions are so slow. It's like uh, uh, we watched an episode the other day, and it's not my guilty pleasure because I hate watching it. Yeah. But um, the, the person found out that they had this old pre-World War II era doll that was actually worth like thousands of dollars. And the person's response to hearing, so this is actually $5,000. Their response was like, Wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like slowed down. So, all right. I'll, well, I'll I, check let me, out let me say one last thing. The other thing, the last reason why I American really love it is that when my when my uh, nephew, my first like new member of our extended family, was when my sister was in surgery, like having the ba- you know having a uh, what's it called cesarean with my first nephew, I was stuck in the waiting room and there was an American Pickers marathon on. So I have oh, I have wow. good psychological uh, thing connections to it, too. It helped you cope. It yeah, helped you cope you with the stressful time. All right, number two? Number two. Okay, so this is a guilty pleasure, not in the context of the Nerd Hour listeners. This is a guilty pleasure in the context of my day job working and living as a psychologist. Um, okay. Why is that? Well, it's because my number two pick is one of the most violent video games of all time, and that's Mortal Kombat. Um, hmm. I really enjoy this game a lot. It's very satisfying to me. Uh, it's horrible. It's incredibly violent. It's um, um, in many ways sexist. and it, it's, it's, it's a... It's a you know it's it's a ridiculous over the top game. Um, I can't stop playing it, you guys. From <laughs> from the first one in the early '90s, and look, I love fighting games. Um, Street Fighter is my favorite, and I think the Street Fighter game engine is better than the Mortal Kombat game engine. The block button, I'm not a fan of, and when they introduced run, I'm, I wasn't a fan of that. However, um, it's not why I play the game. I don't play it for its game mechanics. I play it for how ridiculous the game is. Like pulling and out the hearts and that kind of stuff? Pulling out the hearts, yeah. And uh, the fatalities, the crazy yeah. stages, the over-the-top voices, the moves, and and how it, you know, at this point doesn't really have a plot at all. Um, but I, it's very satisfying to me. And I have a, I always have to defend uh, I'm I'm constantly defending video games, and if you if you look at the research on violent video games, basically what it comes down to is yes, violent video games increase thoughts of aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, so do violent stories and violent uh, movies and all that sort of stuff. And in some studies, they have been linked to more violent behavior. But we're Isn't talking there a cathartic about- element to it. It can be. It can be. And, you know, if we look at broader society, violence has actually come down tremendously as as media violence has gone up. And the other thing is the modeling studies where people play violent video games and then they're put in a situation and do they act violently? Well, and some of it is like, do they squirt hot sauce at other people? So the ecological validity of some of these studies is questionable. We, We don't really know a lot about it but um i'm constantly having to defend video games and i dare not tell many of my colleagues how much i love mortal Kombat. but now they all know because you just added yourself to nerd hour so that's my number two what you guys got um my number two is a film that whenever i would watch it and it was on television or whatever i would always stop to watch it even though it was truly truly terrible And one day I was watching it and I happened to be talking to my younger brother 
And I was just like, yeah, I'm watching Underworld. And he said, <laughs> so, so dumb, but so, so pretty. <laughs> and that's kind of what I feel about this film. I don't really want to like it at all. And there's just something about it that I find extraordinarily silly and comforting. Mm. And it is a terrible script. It is terrible acting. But um, Kate uh, Beckins... Uh, Beckinsdale looks really, really good in vinyl. Yeah, she does. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Conrad, you kind of described a, a movie that's not quite guilty pleasure for me, but it's similar, which is Tron 2. Um, oh, yeah. It's pretty. It's stupid, but it's pretty and it sounds good. Yeah, so. and, and it's just, and my brother admitted that he likes it too. So I, <laughs> I know it's not just me. Maybe it's a familial thing. But well, and they made a bunch of them, so... It's not, not really one. the rest of them. It's only the first one ah. that I'm talking about. I don't know. Like that was just. Is that the one where she shoots in a circle around herself and falls yes. through the floor? And it's like Bill Nye is in it as <laughs> sure. like the elder vampire, which is fantastic. Can't go wrong with Bill Nye. Um, I true. just it's it's so terrible and so bad, and there's a lot of whispering by werewolves. It's it's just <laughs> hilarious. Okay. Yeah, there's this one where the main werewolf is like bite him. <laughs> Tim, it's terrible. As werewolves do. That's <laughs> all right. So if you're going for a movie, I think I'm going to go for a movie on my number two as well. I uh, love these audibles you're, you're making, Bill. Uh, which 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 is going to be National Treasure. Ah, oh, it's so a really bad. good one. So it's bad. so bad and so, so awesome all in this all at the same time from the library. Alexandria. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> movie's horrible. The first one is actually a really fun action movie. The other, the second one, was not good at all. Now, are uh, you are you picking the first one? Or are you picking the complete uh, epic saga? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean I'm gonna lean on the first one because I don't think the other ones are particularly good. But the first one I think is is super fun, um, and is ridiculous, but ridiculous in all the great ways that that uh, what's his name uh, Nicholas Cage Nicholas Cage is, is ridiculous. He is yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's a little bit uh, Indiana Jones, but a little more academic. You know what I mean? It's just it's. <laughs> I just—it's just kind of silly, and like anything that involves, you know, uh, uh, conspiracy theories about the Declaration of Independence, where they're squeezing the lemons on it at, 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 the, at the father's house. And he's like, "What is this?" And he, "What are you doing?" You know, that's genius. It's fantastic. So anyway, I, I put, uh, and it's got Sean Bean in it. True. So oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to put yeah. National Treasure on my list. I uh, uh, it was it was really tough because that was. I was gonna do a Paul Walker thing and choose Timeline instead, but I think I'm Timeline's gonna stick with National bad. Treasure. Timeline's pretty bad. Timeline's pretty awful too. Uh, but, have you, uh, do you know what we're talking about, Ali? No. Have you seen Timeline? I have not uh, seen Timeline. It's a Michael Crichton movie. It's so movie, bad uh, with Paul Walker in it, where huh. they go back in time. It's a time travel movie, back to okay. like the 13th century. It's as it's, bad it's as fun. you would imagine it is. You, you should put, write it down and put it on your list. What's uh, that movie, you guys? That where they they learn how to bend bullets. By shooting. Oh, uh, with uh, yeah, with what's her name? Oh, uh, I actually was thinking about that, but I couldn't remember the name of it. With Angelina with, Jolie. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, assassins. It's, it's, oh, yeah, and, and the really good-looking kid. What's the, what's his name? Uh, it's yeah. reminding me of that. It's also reminding me of that wannabe Matrix movie that came out with Christian Bale. Um, there's a whole category of these films that are just just horrible, but you yeah. can enjoy them. Um, the Paul Walker. The timeline's bad, but in a in a like a. Uh, it's fun to make fun of that movie. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like a sense. mystery science theater three thousand kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's it's like so ridiculous, but yeah. So there's well, that. Well, my number one is a film that um, I must watch every time it comes on on TV. I can't stop watching it. Um, it's a film that many people watch during the holidays, and uh, I will watch it then as well. I know and what this is going to be. I don't think you do, Connor. I do. Go ahead. Hmm. Interesting. Go ahead, Ali. So, um, it's uh, Love Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you thought, Conrad? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just had a feeling because it is, it's... We're, we're on board with you on that one. Yeah. It's, it's not our number ones, but I would put that, I'm, I'm on board with you on that. That would be Look, an honorable it's, mention. It's, it's sappy. Also, uh, Bill Nye. What are all Bill these Nye, Bill Nye? Yeah. You can't see he's an anecdote. He's an anecdote to anything that that would be bad. I do believe, he, by the way, Wanted is the movie you were looking for. Oh, Wanted. Yep, that's it. Go ahead, sorry. That's it. Um, Love Actually. Love Actually, I enjoy so much. It's so satisfying in, in many in many ways. When Hugh Grant stands up to that really bad version of uh, George W. Bush played by... Um, Billy yeah. Bob Thornton. Yeah, Billy, Billy Bob, Bob Thornton. Thornton. It is so satisfying to see those British people. Like they're like, "Oh yes, good show, son." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love, I love those <laughs> moments. Um, I love when the music swells and it's got this really lovely sentimental score. Um, I love when the British guy goes to America and comes back with these cowgirls. Um, (laughs) I love when the two kids uh, finally do connect and he's running through the airport. And even though I've seen it like 20 times now, when he's running through the airport, I'm like, Oh, I hope he makes it. I hope he gets to her. (laughs) Uh, You know, I just get, I get, you like it when Rick is stalking the girl. I mean, not Rick, you know who I mean? Oh, well, that's the other thing. It's, like, like it's if anybody Rick, would do that, Rick. it's yeah. Rick, but not Rick. You if know, anybody were to do that in real life, you'd be like, man, what a total creep you know doing what, that Conrad? to your best friend. You know what, Conrad? I had a very similar experience to that that happened in uh, real life um, on our wedding day with when Nguyen and I were getting married. We were in Soho right outside our venue taking some photos and we spotted Jace, uh, Jason um, Schwartzman. From a lot of those uh, um, those films by um, uh, <laughs> Wes Anderson, and he was on the phone, and I'm like, oh no, he's really busy. I don't. I want him. I want to take a picture with him because that'd be so cool. But he's so busy. What do I do in this situation? And then boom, I thought about love actually, and I thought <laughs> about Rick, but not Rick, when he writes on a piece of paper and he kind of shows it to Kira Knightley's character. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. So I asked um, one of New Anne's bridesmaids for a piece of paper and a pen. And I wrote, um, excuse me, it's our wedding day. We hate to interrupt you, but would you mind taking a photo with us? And I just showed it to him, love actually style. And then he's, <laughs> and then he, he, he's, he's on the photo and he's like, uh, and he looks at the paper and he starts reading and his face like drops and he goes, hey, dude, I got to go. I got to take care of something important. Talk to you later. And he puts the phone in his pocket and he would he said, I'd love to take a photo with you guys. Oh, my God. Congratulations. You guys are getting married. It was one of the most awesome experiences. See, that's not nearly as ever. creepy as showing it to Kira Knightley. No, that yeah. was well, and I also and actually, I like thought I you were about um, Ali. I thought you were going to say that he was secretly in love with New Anne and had like, <laughs> had, like 
they come up with a good <laughs> that poster. That would have been funny. He takes out his yeah. phone and he yeah. shows New Andy's videos. Yeah. And yeah. Or, 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 or no, no, no. Or, 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 or Lowen was on <laughs> New Anne right before the wedding with cards. Well, you know, and Lowen from our previous episode from two weeks ago yeah. kind of looks like Rick a little bit. I was supposed to be a little yeah, bit. A little bit. So there's I, we, we are on board with Love Actually. Yes. Nice, nice. Well, that is my number one pick. And now I can't wait to hear you guys' number one pick. What do you got? Well, I I went into the Wayback Machine and tried to think of one of the most embarrassing shows that I think I've ever watched. And so excited. It's not one that I think you would have ever heard of. Oh, it's no. it was on the sci fi channel. PBS thing? Oh, okay. No, it was on the sci fi channel, but this is like back in the nineties and then it was on it was one of those things like you know how they 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 sometimes just have shows on and they put them on repeat forever. Yeah. And when I was in college, like I think sophomore year, this was on the sci-fi channel on repeat for like forever. And there's only 20 episodes of it. And it's called She Wolf of London. I've never even heard and of it. Is, and it is. She Wolf I, of London. Yes. And I, that? I like. She Wolf of London. Oh. It's so bad. It's so <laughs> bad. And I even in preparation for our show, I pulled up just stuff on YouTube and it's even worse than I could possibly have remembered. <laughs> and I'm like, but I remember being like oh it's another episode of this i gotta catch this but i don't want my roommates to see that i'm watching this oh this looks terrible (laughs) it's so bad (laughs) it's so bad bad. and there's a lot because she's an american graduate student in london that gets inadvertently bitten by a wolf and has to hide it and like her and she and her professor go and seek out super, they they solve supernatural mysteries together it's really bad it sounds like a cross between doctor who and the, something with a werewolf and i don't know it's, it's not actually that far from i zombie it is uh, it's terrible and it's like i was even embarrassed putting it on this list which is why i know it belongs here wow. so there you go right. she wolf of I, london i feel like i should say I should use Beauty and the Beast from the 80s. Ah, I forgot about that <laughs> one. Uh, um, also, I should mention, this This starred Kate Hodge. Do you know who that is? Who's Kate Hodge? I do not. She was the chick in uh, Leatherface, and they make some Leatherface Jokes references in to in this oh, thing. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I, however, I'm not going to say Beauty and the Beast, because I don't love that show enough. I am, however, going to use something that the people on my podcast on Taking Pictures make fun of me about all the time, which is Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Dude, I love Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls is a really you good show. You about Gilmore Girls. You, you've won me over with Gilmore Girls. It's a really wait, wait, well whoa, whoa, done whoa, show. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bill won you over, Conrad, on Gilmore Girls? He won't I stop just watching assume. it, and so we watch it together. What? Yeah, it's on Netflix. So all, all, all eight seasons are on Netflix. Watch. I had seen, I had seen, I had seen Watch. some of this. Wait, I had we're seen some to, of this. We're gonna have to talk really fast, like the Gilmores, the Gilmores do. So tell me really quickly, like, why do you like Gilmore Girls? Well, first of all, I like Gilmore Girls because <laughs> Sebastian Bach is on it. Secondly, <laughs> I like Gilmore Girls. Um, I don't know. It, it, part of it, I, I'll totally own to the fact some of the family dynamics in this and the fights make me super uncomfortable and upset. And I think that it's very well written. So I don't, I can't really term it a guilty pleasure because it, to me, it's not fully enjoyable. 
to watch all of it because of the things that it makes that it stresses me out a little bit. Yeah. But and and I it watched ep- you out. Why yeah, it does. The f- because the they talk quick. No, no, no the, the family relationship and her, you know, the rich oh, mother the lady stuff. and all that. Oh, yeah, like that, that stuff yeah, really stresses me out. That's uncomfortable. But but this is the thing. So I've now been watching this with Bill. I had watched. I definitely didn't follow the show, but I would catch episodes here and there. So much makes much more sense now seeing it all together. Yeah. But Sebastian Bach's a highlight for me. Yeah, Sebastian Bach is great. I think the I think the characters are great. I think the writing is great. I think the relationships between the characters are uh, very realistic, except for every once in a while where somebody will do something and be like, no, that character would never do that. Something that mean that they do for some dramatic effect in the show, you know? Um, but, but I, but I think that overall there have been a number of times where we've watched the show and ended up having hour long conversations after it about the motivations of each of the characters and yeah. how they relate to people that we know you know what I mean? Like, oh, she's doing that because of that. Oh, that's kind of how this person we know deals with her parents or whatever, you know. It makes um, you binge on junk food. It the- makes you binge <laughs> on junk food because all they eat is, you know, yeah, fries and Pop-Tarts and donuts. Um, I just I just think, and <laughs> of course, the, the, the mother and daughter, Lorelai and Rory, are both attractive women, so that doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's fun and it sounds kind of girly i hate to be you know well yeah, i do think it's very cool that's it. it's a female focused show which i think is great yeah like, that's true most, most of the, the characters yep. are women which i think is awesome yeah. and, and most of the action surrounding yeah. the characters is yeah. the women so, which is yeah. awesome gilmore girls that's on my list team jess or team dean bill uh of those two i'm gonna go for team jess me too yeah, yeah. um but just because i think he's a much more well-rounded character uh he's um, also peter petrelli well, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we were going to get into that. <laughs> hey, can I put on my honorable mentions uh, taking naps uh, in the middle of the afternoon on a beautiful spring day? Yeah, I hate how, you. How is that a guilty play? Now, if you're someone oh, who's I feel capable. Like I feel like it's like wasting something so precious. And I think that's so gluttonous and amazing. Taking naps is not a guilty pleasure, Bill. It's not? This is, no. This is, oh. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I like how you're so offended by the thought that it might be. Well, I'm so envious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am too. One, that's why it's absolutely a guilty pleasure. One, Make him feel guilty about it. I the opportunity to take naps. The other thing is I'm so sleep deprived that and if I take a nap, honestly, it becomes six hours. Yeah, and I, I and I wake up and it's midnight and everyone else is asleep and I'm like, what happened? It's like waking up from a from amnesia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to say I love Gilmore Girls and one of the the cool things is the the creator of the show, Amy Sherman Paladino. Yeah. Um, she was a writer on uh, on a few things, but Roseanne. Um, she wrote sure. ten episodes of Roseanne, which is a fantastic show. Holds up extremely well. Very well written. The characters on Gilmore Girls are great. I am going to say, though, one of the most disappointing final seasons ever. Well, they did, apparently their hearts weren't in it at all. Yeah. Well, they um, didn't, I don't think they thought they were going to be renewed. And I got to yeah. say, when Rory makes it off to uh, to Yale, um, the show, I think, does yeah, struggle the, to, to keep its formula. The first three seasons or so are pretty excellent, though. Like, uniformly great. Oh, yeah. So good. And, and uh, it, it deals with some real issues, too. I, yeah. I love Gilmore Girls so much. I'm going to have to watch an episode now. Uh, any uh, any uh, 
honorable mentions on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, what was yours, Bill? Your honorable mention? <laughs> Taking naps. <laughs> Taking naps. Oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. What else you got? Um, I've got BuzzFeed. Oh, the uh, website. Okay. The website. So listicles many Listicles is your... your <laughs> yeah. Listicles <laughs> with animated GIFs are my uh, guilty pleasure. Um, not the quizzes. I hate the quizzes. But um, all their listicles, like... And, and they're now... You know, the, stupid BuzzFeed. They get me every time. Um, <laughs> they were doing a lot of, like, top sevens because top fives and top tens were so played out. And now they're, like, doing these top 23s and top 27s and top 34s. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. Now the numbers but, have been thrown out the window. But I, I can't stop reading them, you guys. Okay, like, I need to know the top 27 things that know, that that will make you know that you grew up in the 90s. You know, See, I here's the problem, them. though. Those psychological – I mean, they're playing every psychological trick in the book to get you to read those things. I and know. you, who know all the tricks in the book, are I falling for them. No, I am. I so am. <laughs> but I can't. Stop, Bill. And I hate to admit how much time I spend on BuzzFeed. Okay. Conrad, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, Not really. Like, I was trying to think of some books to add. I, I think The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice might fall under this category. <laughs> I mean, I love, there is, she did create a new mythology surrounding vampires, which I thought was very cool. I like some of those ideas. But those books just got, like, worse and worse. And I didn't, I reread them like a few years ago and was like, you know, you read them as a kid and you don't really think about some of those things. And then now you read them, and you're like, Oh, this is not great. I mean, <laughs> I think she creates a good story and good characters. And I think Lestat is an awesome character, but it turns into like, it just, it goes, it goes really ugly. So that would well, probably be on my honorable mention. There you have it, listeners. Um, please join us in our discussion of guilty pleasures. Let us know what you uh, are uncomfortable revealing. Join our support club and <laughs> uh, and express uh, what it is that uh, that is in your top five guilty pleasures. You can reach us at Nerd Hour on Twitter or info at superfantasticnerdhour.com or send us a comment on uh, superfantasticnerdhour.com. Uh, you can also... <laughs> Also, I think I just said that twice or something. And then you can also make a comment on iTunes. Um, we also really want you to encourage uh, or encourage you to subscribe to On Taking Pictures, yeah. uh, which is Bill Wadman's podcast. Bill, where can people find you and your lovely podcast? They can find that over on the 5x5 network at uh, 5x5.tv slash OTP. We'll get us to, uh, to the main show page. Yeah, OTP, yeah, you know me. Or I'm sure you could find them on pretty much any other, uh, any of your podcatchers. Just search for On Taking Pictures. And where can people find you and your beautiful photography? Uh, BillWadman.com, or I am at BillWadman on Twitter, or BillWadman on Instagram now, which is all very new and exciting for me. That's right. I was uh, I liked a few of your... I'm not uh, sure how I feel about it, but uh, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, well, I, I I like that you're you're embracing it. Go, and, go listen to the podcast a couple last couple episodes to, for that discussion. <laughs> and Conrad, word on the street is you also have another podcast. I do. It's about undead things or reanimated things. Ha ha. Uh, reanimated with me and my buddy Stuart uh, on Twitter. It's reanimated. Pcast and on the interwebs, it's reanimatedpodcast.com. So check it out. 
Very lovely. And I am at Alimatu on Twitter. You can also find me at brainknowsbetter.com where I um, every now and then write about the psychology of science fiction. And this week on uh, thepsychshow.com, I talk about technology and how it's turning everyone into a celebrity and the paparazzi. Um, until next time, folks, I'm going to ask you to do one thing, and that's live long and prosper. Indeed. Indeed.